The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home Podcast, where we bring you some of the most interesting stories of the day. I'm Reggie Brazu. Uh, by myself today, Marcus Papp will be joining us tomorrow. On today's episode, NASA will recruit a non-U.S. citizen to join them in the next mission to the moon. And we take a look back at the cool stuff that we covered this year. Plus, This Day in History looks at one of the most successful bands of all time. Coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home. Well, NASA is planning to return to the moon. This time, they will be bringing an international astronaut. The U.S. government said that the trip to the moon will happen by the end of this decade at the earliest 2027. The announcement came when Vice President Kamala Harris met with the National Space Council in Washington. This is the third time that they have met. While they did talk about adding an international astronaut to the mission, they did not say who it would be or where they would be from. In fact, the entire crew will not be announced until they get closer to the lunar mission launch date. This will not be the first time an astronaut from another country has joined the U.S. in space. NASA has been adding them in missions for decades. Jeremy Hansen from Canada will accompany three U.S. astronauts in flying around the moon in about a year from now. When talking to the Council, Hansen said that including other countries in NASA missions is, quote, not only sincerely appreciated, but it is urgently needed in the world today, end quote. When the mission to land on the moon does happen, it'll be the first time in more than half a century that we have been on the moon. From the previous Apollo missions on the moon that took place in the 60s and 70s, all 12 astronauts were U.S. citizens, so this will be a first that we are bringing someone from another country along. They did decide to change the name of the mission, so it'll no longer be Apollo. Instead, they decided to rename it after Apollo's mythical twin sister, Artemis. Part of the reason for choosing the name Artemis is after the Artemis Accords, which promote responsible behavior in space, including the moon. 33 countries have signed the accord so far. A few countries have not yet signed, most notably Russia and China, which are the only countries to have launched their own citizens into space. We have partnered with other countries before for projects like the International Space Station, which have an agreement with NASA, Russia, Europe, Japan, and Canada. Now, during the meeting that announced the international astronaut joining us, Vice President Harris also discussed several other issues that they would like to resolve, such as the amount of space junk in orbit. There is a push to stop destructive testing in space, like the anti-missile test that Russia did in 2021. That test created over 1,500 pieces of space junk, some of which could be potentially dangerous. I don't know about you, but I'm personally looking forward to returning to the moon. I'm fascinated by space travel and everything that goes along with it, and returning to the moon is the first step, I believe, in us going to Mars or other planets or even further out in space. Who knows where we'll be, as Marcus always says, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, who knows where we'll be. And I feel like we had a lot of advancements that came from the space program, so as we continue to do this, I feel like it'll help benefit society in ways more than just going to space. Continuing with the space theme that we've had going on, I'm going to take a look back at when Marcus and I talked about space lighthouses. It's a way for you to figure out where you're going in space. So what is that all about? 
Lighthouses in the sky. That's how a recent Mashable report described the neutron stars being mapped by NASA, a task taking place in part because it may one day be used as a form of GPS for space travel. And while that scenario is likely still a ways off, the stars themselves are fascinating. First and foremost, a neutron star is the collapsed core of a supergiant the latter of which are among the largest and brightest stars in space. Neutron stars are the result of a supernova explosion combined with gravitational collapse of said object. And these things are heavy, literally. Per the report, just a sugar cube-sized piece of this dense material weighs one billion tons. NASA notes that's as much as a mountain on Earth. They go on to say the objects are like crushing half a million times Earth's mass into a sphere about 12 miles across. Unbelievable. And now scientists have announced the discovery of nearly 300 unique neutron stars called pulsars, discovered using the Fermi Gamma Ray Space Telescope. These pulsars are rapidly spinning neutron stars that emit powerful beams of light from their poles. And get this, they're each about the size of a large city on Earth, some of which are spinning faster than a blender. I'm talking hundreds of times per second. Per the Mashable report, mapping pulsars is of great scientific interest, not only because they may one day be used as locational identifiers for intergalactic travelers, but also because they provide clues into the history and evolution of stars and galaxies. A video recently released by NASA, which we'll link in the show notes, shows the many pulsars identified in our own Milky Way galaxy. These pulsars are especially unique because they're among the 10% of pulsars thought to also emit gamma rays the most potent form of energy into space. Gamma rays have the most energy of any wave in the electromagnetic spectrum. Per David Smith, the research director at the Bordeaux Astrophysics Laboratory who worked on the recently published catalog, said in a statement, quote, this new catalog compiles full information on all known gamma ray pulsars in an effort to promote new avenues of exploration, end quote. And while it may seem like pie in the sky for the moment, Zavin Arzumanian, a NASA scientist and pulsar researcher, points out these pulsars could indeed one day be used to help identify location in space. Quote, you can time the pulsations of pulsars distributed in many directions around a spacecraft to figure out where the vehicle is and navigate it anywhere. That's exactly how the GPS system on Earth works with precise clocks flown on satellites in orbit, end quote. I wouldn't bet on seeing this type of thing in my lifetime, but who knows? But in another 100 years or so, and this is just me opining, who knows? It's it's all pretty fascinating to me, though, Reggie. This is wild to think about as we get closer and closer, it seems, to maybe one day taking off and just cruising around space, seeing what's out there. That was actually my first thought is I don't expect to see this in my lifetime, maybe not even my kid's lifetime. But yeah, I mean, that's I, I guess if it works for GPS and you have some way to identify where you are. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll i be honest, I don't want to go into space without being able to plug something into my phone, uh, a destination of sorts. I mean, do you just pull up Mars and, hey, straight line, you're leaving Earth. Make sure you stay on this path. You really don't need to change lanes or roads or anything on the way out there. So I guess as I say that in jest, I don't know how much of this would be necessary in just cruising around our own solar system, but... At the point we're able to get out beyond that area, 
yeah, I could see this being a pretty big deal and cool to think that here in 2023, they're already laying the foundation for that sort of technology. I'm just imagining family road trips right now of, honey, you missed the Neptune exit. Can't you tell by that <laughs> pulsar over there that you were going the wrong way? <laughs> and stop off. I need a Red Bull uh, or some <laughs> chips. <laughs> I can't I can't get uh, Futurama, the Matt Groening cartoon out of my head right now. That's that's running yeah. through there <laughs> in that cartoon. The spaceship didn't move. Space moved around the spaceship, just so you know. <laughs> Fascinating. That was an episode. <laughs> and Marcus, as we're looking to the future here for navigation, uh, I actually have something coming up in this day in history that kind of looks to the past of space navigation. All right. Tying it all together here. I like it, Reg. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Taking a look at this day in history, it was a good day in history for the Beatles. You may have heard of them. On December 26, 1963, they released I Want to Hold Your Hand, and I saw her standing there in the U.S. I Want to Hold Your Hand, which was the A-side of the release, was recorded on October 17th of 1963, and it was the Beatles' first hit in the U.S. when it topped the Billboard Hot 100 chart in January of 1964. It remained on the Billboard list for 15 weeks. The song was also the Beatles' best-selling single worldwide, selling 12 million copies. As for I Saw Her Standing There, it was the B-side to the I Want to Hold Your Hand single. That song, that song didn't hit the Billboard Hot 100 until February, but once it did, it stayed there for 11 weeks. Like I said, this was a good day for the Beatles. A year later, on December 26, 1964, I Feel Fine hits number one and stays there for three weeks. It was their eighth single that they released in the U.S. and their sixth single to hit number one on the Hot 100 in 1964, which is an all-time record. The six songs to hit that number one spot in 64 were I Want to Hold Your Hand, which, as I mentioned, came out a year before, She Loves You, Can't Buy Me Love, Love Me Do, A Hard Day's Night, and then, of course, finishing here with I Feel Fine. John Lennon said he wrote the guitar riff for I Feel Fine in between takes while they were recording eight days a week. He later said, I told them I'd write a song specially for the riff, so they said, yes, you go on and go do that, knowing that they were already almost finished with the album Beatles for Sale. Anyway, going into the studio one morning, I said to Ringo, I've written this song, but it's lousy. But we tried it, complete with the riff, and it sounded like an A-side, so we decided to release it just like that. Overall, looking at the Beatles' entire collection, they have sold over 600 million albums worldwide, with 177 of those albums coming from the U.S. They have 13 albums that have gone multi-platinum. Taking a look at their singles, the number of singles sold in the United States, 1.6 billion. The number of number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, 20. They have 34 songs that hit the uh, top 10 hits in the U.S. They spent a combined total of 609 weeks for their singles in the Hot 100 chart. And taking a look at the number one spot on that chart, they had 59 weeks total throughout all their singles. They have also had 14 singles on the Hot 100 chart at the same time. That happened on April 11th, 1964. And when you take the song Yesterday, that is the most covered song of all time. It has been covered over 3 
thousand times on albums. I think it's safe to say that the uh, Beatles have earned their place in history as one of the greatest bands of all time. Whether you like them or not, you have to respect those numbers. They were very popular for years and years, and they still are, as they have albums still coming out when you do best of and re-releases and stuff like that. So you can't argue with the stats that the Beatles have. I personally like the Beatles. I don't listen to them all the time, but I do like a majority of their songs. That'll do it for another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. All this week, we'll be taking a look back at some of the cool stuff that we covered. We'll do a new story, go into something cool that we covered, and then come back with a look back at this day in history. I'm Reggie Rizzo. If you have any thoughts or comments, feel free to email us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. I'll be back with Marcus Path tomorrow for another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. Oh, oh, oh.